Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. And now, KC Johnson. Kobe White pull up three over Karis LeVert and nails it. Bulls insider for NBC Sports Chicago. Give me that sauce. Covering everything from the dynasty to Derek to DeMar. KC Johnson. I've covered the NBA for a long time. With Mully and Haw. Moss. On 670 The Score. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. It's always a delight to talk to the great KC Johnson. And he joins us now on the score hotline, which is powered by IBEW Local 9, Chicago's original powerhouse since 1892. KC, how are you, buddy? Morning, guys. What's going on? Well, um, you know, I, I, I was just telling David earlier when we were talking off the air that I don't know what to make of the Bulls. I'm not sure what to make of them. I, I thought they had gotten a little bit better, and now it seems like it's a bit static and – you know, you lose that game to Cleveland. They just have – you got to beat teams you're better than. You got to be better than teams. And it just bothered me, uh, a couple of these performances. And, frankly, the whole ring of honor thing, it just put a lot of things kind of into a spiral that have nothing to do with this team and and this moment in time. Yeah, yeah, it's been a tough week for the Bulls. Uh, they're not better than Cleveland, by the way, newsflash. Okay, yeah. Cleveland, but but they did not play well that night in Cleveland. Um, and yeah, I mean they're they're just an average basketball team. I mean, mm-hmm. I think all of our expectations going into the season were pretty low, but I did think they you know be a, a little bit better than five hundred. So the fact they're under five hundred. It's just a byproduct of that really slow start, that five and fourteen start. They are playing better, but it's also it's not really translating to the stats. I mean, their their offensive rating is still languishing in the bottom third of the league. Their defense um, for a while there had had vaulted up quite a bit, but that has slipped lately. They've been giving up some huge quarters. That forty eight point quarter to the Golden State Warriors, thirty nine point quarter to the Spurs, and then another forty point quarter in Cleveland. So. Yeah, it's just uh, it's it's uh, going to be interesting to see how management tries to get out of this, and obviously with the trade deadline three weeks from today, they've got uh, they've got some work to do. KC, it was great to see you last Friday night, and I thought you handled that situation as well as you could have with the booing of Jerry Krause, and then afterward talking to Thelma Krause. So well done on NBC Sports Chicago. Bulls play the Raptors tonight, and as you said, we're kind of waiting for something to happen. Meanwhile. In the Eastern Conference, the team they're playing tonight, the Raptors, made a huge deal yesterday with the Pacers. Three first-round draft picks 
for Pascal Siakam, and that is an all-star forward going to Indiana. When are the Bulls going to make a deal that makes everybody look and say, wow, because I know they don't have the draft capital, but how do you look at what that does to maybe the Eastern Conference? Uh, I don't want to say balance of power because it's not a top four team, the Pacers, but I do wonder what you think of it. I like the move for the Pacers mostly because they can't really get players, or they don't, I shouldn't say can't. They typically don't get players of that caliber in free agency. So it's clearly to me a, a trade. Uh, it's almost like a free agency, free agent acquisition via trade. Um, and obviously I can't see how they'd be giving up three first round picks without an under the table or, a, you know, strong communication with the agent that Pascal Siakam's going to resign there. So I would expect him to resign, resign in Indiana. So it's a good deal from that perspective. Yeah, I mean, Toronto's doing the move that I just think the Bulls have been hesitant to make. They've, they've obviously traded Ananobi and, and now Siakam. And, uh, you know, the, the 2019 title team is, is going into a reset now. And, and uh, Bulls management, for whatever reason, has been, been hesitant to do that to this point. And as far as when are they going to make a move, I mean, They've been trying. I mean, they it, the Zach Levine relationship is is headed toward towards a divorce. Both sides would like to see a change, and it, it takes another team, sometimes two teams, to make that happen. And to this point, the Bulls have not been able to find a suitable, um, you know, partner. So, uh, if it does not happen by February eighth, I would certainly assume that it would be revisited in the off season, uh, just like it was. Just like it was visited last off season, I mean, it's just like it—it it, it just has that feeling of a, a relationship that needs to to, to end, uh, that is headed towards a divorce. And um, you know, I, I've reported, other people have reported that management's focus is on Levine's future first, and then they kind of want to see, you know, what how the roster shakes down until they make decisions on other people. They might be forced to change that approach because. If they can't find a Levine taker, you know, DeRozan's up after this year, so they have to make a decision on him. Uh, Caruso will obviously always attract phone calls. Um, so, yeah, there's there's a, a, a lot of eyes on management uh, between now and February 8th. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I just worry about that relationship. I mean, he seemed like he was, he was going to be gone and he changed his tone and we know that things are not great. And then the reports just keep coming out. Well, and by the way, there's no market. Uh, here's another team that doesn't want him. It, it just seems like, as you say, as much as this seems imminent, I don't know what you're going to get done. And I, are they looking to just get rid of the contract? I mean, you know, you kept this guy for a reason, and I don't know what it is now. Yeah, to, to this point, I have not heard uh, that the Bulls would be so – uh, inclined to end this relationship that, that, that it would be a salary dump. I, it, to, to me, that's that's irresponsible. I mean, if you sign a guy to a max contract and then just literally take whatever deal comes your way, you know, like let's 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 talk specifics. I mean, if if the Lakers offer D'Angelo Russell and Rui Hachimura and, and a first round pick, I, I just don't see how you make that deal for Zach Levine. I mean, no matter how bad. Uh, you know how much this feels like it's headed towards a divorce. That that's just not a good. That's just not a good trade. I mean, and, and the Bulls know that. So to this point, I have not heard that 
that they're going to just trade him just to get off of off of his money. Now a lot can change between now and February eighth, but that's that's where it's at now. And you know, the other thing I would point out, guys, is you know we're around this team all the time. It's not a toxic situation. I mean, Zach is not that kind of person. He he's he's a willing listener. Um, he has good relationships with his coaches and teammates. Um, it, it's not like this daily toxic situation. It's just not. That's just not how Zach is wired. I mean, Kobe White has said multiple times about how encouraging and upbeat Zach has been since Zach has returned from his foot injury about his about his play. And, and Kobe has said, you know, Zach is is pumping me up. Like, keep keep cooking. I'm just trying to get you in a rhythm. I mean, that's not a that's not a sign of a selfish, cancerous player. So um, that's to me is the silver lining in all this is that while it does feel like it's headed for a divorce, it's not something that is impacting the team negatively on a daily basis. I think what happens is that we start looking at the, the trade deadline and it seems like we've been talking about this for six weeks or so because we have. And then you see the Pacers' big move. Then you see the Pistons made a trade that might have had more – of an impact on, on what the Bulls may do or what they may get. How did that affect the process? And and you think that it is just a matter of because the trade demand came such a long time ago, it feels like they're, they're, it's it's such a stagnant situation. Well, it's just more because they don't, nobody wants it. <laughs> it's as simple as that. I mean, it's like the, the market is not materialized for me. I, mean, I, I just don't see how that's like the Bulls' fault. I mean, you know, it's like – Last summer they had had exploratory talks uh, with him uh, uh, regarding him. Uh, they they checked it on Lillard. They checked it on Hart, and you know nothing was nothing was able to to happen then. And and then obviously this season, you know Zach's they they started losing, and the frustration over the, him get him getting shopped all the time and the losing led led Zach and his representatives to kind of take the position that they've taken. So that created a a different situation because yes, it was an early salvo in this uh, because it was well before the league really kind of even opens up for trade business. It was even before the November 15th. Um, uh, I'm sorry, the December, December 15th, uh, uh, you know, restrictions lifting. So it's just been a messy situation. But like I said, um, the bulls to me cannot just trade Zach just to trade him. Uh, you know, I've heard people talk about addition right. by subtraction. I don't, I don't subscribe to that theory. This is a guy who was a two-time All-Star, and until this season, was one of the most efficient and effective scorers in the league. Now he has had a, a poor season. He has not played to his standards. Um, but if you're salary dumping a max player who, as recently as last season, had a true shooting percentage over sixty percent, I, I, I don't. I don't see that. That's just, I think that's a bad move for your franchise. And like I said, the fact that it's not a toxic situation on a, on a daily basis strengthens that position from my perspective. So, you know, a lot can change in three weeks, guys. You guys know that. So we'll see right. where it goes. But if if nothing changes, you know, look for this to, to re- revisit over the summer. I mean, the less years on his deal, maybe something becomes more palatable for other teams. Uh, you know, I mean, but um, I just don't see how the Bulls can be faulted for not being able to find a trade package when there's just not a lot of not a lot of strong offers coming coming their way. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I hear what you're saying there. I, I asked 
uh, David, this morning as we were sitting there. Are they waiting on Lonzo Ball or something? Like, what do they think's going to change moving forward if they can't change anything major uh, at this point? And I, you know, we know that Demar, his contract, the future. I mean, I understand all the concerns, but what is I keep hearing from Lonzo Ball, or I keep hearing that he's coming back, not feeling pain. I mean, do we care? Is he coming back? Will he play again here if he's able to? What What is going on with their thoughts on all that stuff, the team they well, dreamed of? Yeah, so so two points uh, separately, the Lonzo Ball and then also just kind of management's thinking is that, I mean, management didn't expect to be in this position. I mean, they thought they would be much improved this season because mm-hmm. of the, the finish. And, and I'm going to just lay out what, they're, the, what I understand their thought process to be. I'm not I'm – not, defending this or supporting this. I'm just going to lay it out there. So you heard ad nauseum from them about the 14 and nine finish, you know, the, the play in victory and the near the, 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 the close play in loss to Miami. And in their thought process, you know, add a couple of solid veterans and Carter and Craig have the young players like white and Williams develop, which one of them has. Um, and then, you know, tweak the offense so that the big three potential is reached um and you know that that was the thinking so you know zach didn't play well to start the season then he got hurt kobe ascended patrick williams is still kind of just showing flashes but having disappearing nights some other nights um you know the the veterans craig's been hurt he played pretty well but he's been hurt lately carter's you know probably not been utilized as much as everyone thought he would be because of white's play. So that's why that, you know, that's why now everyone else last trade that I was like, this core is not working. They got to break it up, mm. but you know, management didn't make that decision. So they thought by keeping the core and those things happening that I already detailed that they'd be better this year. They lost a lot of clutch games last year. They thought they'd be better in clutch games this year. They thought with that 14-9 finish. So that's kind of why the Bulls are where they are. As for Lonzo, that's completely separate. And no, management's not clinging to some hope that Lonzo Ball's coming to rescue today anymore. If he even does return to the NBA, it would be one of the more remarkable return stories of all time. Um, and at this point, you're just rooting for that guy to have a normal life. I mean, he had a cartilage transplant. He had He's had three left knee surgeries. He's not played the NBA for over two years. So um, they've ruled him out for the whole season and you're going to get some resolution on his future this summer, whether that's, you know, thoughts that he can come back or, you know, thoughts that he won't. And then you try to get that contract off your books via the injury right. provision. So um, no, Lonzo Ball is not part of the thinking anymore. They're just rooting for him on a personal level. A guy who is healthy, KC, one of the biggest offseason signings, Javon Carter, had two DNP coaches' decisions last week. You're right about him. He came back and had a spurt against the Spurs, and he certainly has kept a positive attitude. But what does it say when he's been so up and down? And what are the expectations for him moving forward? Because for a team that doesn't necessarily have consistency shooting from three-point range, you'd like for him to be more consistent. He had a really strong year last season. He played 81 games, shot over 42% from three with the Bucks, uh, average eight points in about 24 minutes. I don't know if that's just, you know, the Giannis factor where, you know, Giannis's gravity has created so many open looks for him. He has not made the impact that I think a lot of people thought he might. 
Um, now, in his defense, he has not played very much, and that's all credit to, to Kobe White. I mean, Kobe, I don't think anybody saw this jump coming from Kobe, and, you know, I think that's kind of changed Billy's thinking with the rotation and how he uses Javon. Um, you know, the two-game blip was – at first, a matchup issue. Uh, Houston has big wings, so he wanted to give Dalen Terry a try. And then uh, he thought Dalen played well in that game, so he gave him opportunity the next game. But it has been a little bit un- underwhelming. He's had spurts, and that San Antonio game was another showing of what he can do when he's out there. He is one of the better three-point shooters of the team. I, I just, you know, talking to him briefly yesterday, um, you got to give that guy a lot of credit, and I've seen it with my own eyes. I mean, his attitude in the locker room is exemplary. He's upbeat. He's encouraging teammates. He's a total team guy, no matter his role. And if you, if people haven't seen this piece that I put up on our website, uh, you should check it out. If you want some perspective on a athlete who gets it, because the quotes he gave yesterday after practice were pretty remarkable stuff. I mean, the dude just gets it on every level. And, um, you know, uh, there's three-point shots out there, so we'll see where he takes them and how Billy uses them moving forward. I, I I don't know what to expect from this team. You know, I, I guess <laughs> playing. Very down. No, very I, down. I just they, – they were awful to begin the year and you couldn't watch it. And all of a sudden, they got better. And you were like, well, this is entertaining. And next thing you know – we're back yeah, to this. Too. I mean, the Cleveland yeah. loss was bad. They they didn't play well. They they didn't rebound. They gave up too many three-point shots. I mean, tonight's an opportunity, right. even though it's a road game. Uh, Toronto had that unlikely victory last night. Um, you know, but they're playing a back-to-back, and they're kind of in flux with the trade. So, And then they, you know, they go on the West Coast all next week. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they've got to do it on the court, obviously. Um, but, I, you know, I think they're still – in a different place than they were when they were five and 14. That was unwatchable. That was just bad product. So um, we'll see if they can play better tonight. Casey, we know all about the bad stuff that happened during the ring of honor ceremony, oh. but you were part of some good stuff too. What was one of the more positive things or interactions you had with the team that came back and the players that were there? Well, there was something for Thursday night that was not open to the public. Well, part of well, – no, actually, none of it was. There was a red carpet ceremony that was open to the media, and then they had a private dinner and gala at the United Center on the floor. And, I mean, that is kind of the spirit that I'll remember from the Ring of Honor is seeing those guys just kind of fall into rhythms and, and uh, you know, places of uh, fondness and memories of teammates and coaches and just watching those guys interact. Um and that continued on Friday night behind the scenes. I mean, those guys, I mean, Luke Longley flew a long ass way to get here. I mean, you know, and he, he had a smile on his face the whole time. Uh, Rod Harper, you know, Judd Bushler, you know, it went Randy Brown and went down, down the line. I mean, those guys, and it, it's, I, I also want to keep emphasizing like the 95, 96 team got so much attention and rightfully so because of the 72 wins, but you know, the families of Red Kerr and Dick Klein and Jerry Sloan were there. Right, and Jack, right. Jack Haley's family was there from the 95, 96 team. It was just, there was, I saw a lot of positivity. I know the Thelma and Jerry incident has drawn a lot of negative headlines and rightfully so, but I saw a lot of positivity. And then, you know, Phil coming back was a big deal. And 
that was also the coolest moment of Friday night. I mean, that ovation took you back to the dynasty days. That was a thunderous ovation for Phil Jackson. And, and Phil's you know, in, seeing him, he's in bad shape, right? I mean, he's got issues with his legs. And, I mean, he did his namaste. But I don't know that he can really jump back up as quickly as he once did. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. I didn't ask him, so I don't know exactly right. what's going on. I mean, he's had hip surgeries over the years. I know that. Yes. So, yes. Um, you know, but the fact that he was back and the way he was interacting with his players and his coaches was was cool to see. I mean, that was a special time, as we all know. And uh, you know, hopefully, if they do this again and honor another team from the dynasty era, um, it can be a little bit more celebratory than what we saw Friday night because that that just wasn't awesome. good. No, that was bad. And, you know, maybe Michael and Scotty will turn up, maybe not together, but maybe they'll be there. They'll always be invited. That's that's just that's the standard <laughs> company line. Man. That's the standard company line. That's a good one. Thanks. Good stuff, All right, KC. KC. Thanks, buddy. All right, guys. Take it easy. That's our guy, KC Johnson, covering the Bulls for NBC Sports Chicago. Does a great job. Um, that, that's good. I mean, I like hearing that those guys were – they they need to improve. I mean, Luke Longley, mention a guy's name if he flew 15 yeah. hours to get Yeah, he looks like he was having a good time, though. Yeah, he did. KC had to handle himself really well. All right, so the big story today, the White Sox are looking, are in serious talks, according to the Sun-Times. We got Mark Gannis we're going to talk to at 9 o'clock. Yeah. That's something to look forward That's to. That's wonderful. And I do wonder, do people look at this as a serious proposal? The Sox looking at land. Uh, the 78, if you will, Roosevelt and Clark by the South Loop. It's an exciting story. We've talked about it. I wonder what people think. Yeah, I mean, does this mean the Sox are sticking around Chicago, and are you happy about that? Does this mean they're uh, looking for another it, handout? And You uh, don't have to like country music to be a Sox fan. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right. 312-644-6767. It's Molly and on the score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Go White Sox. Mm, 
Mully and Hall, Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. We talked about the story of the day, the Sun-Times front-page story about the White Sox looking at a piece of land in the South Loop as a potential site of a new uh, stadium. For them, it is uh, high-concept stuff. It's just like a really... Big, fun idea to move the Sox closer to the city, actually into the city. They're not out of the city now, but into the downtown area uh, right by the uh, uh, Roosevelt Road. There, I mean, there's Roosevelt and Clark, yeah. There's highways right there. Sox marks the spot. The, the L there, yeah. and there's a lot that would work there. Now, I don't know how – viable it really is or how um what they what the um what the timeline would be we know they're at guaranteed rate and they're going to be there for uh until through the 2028 season right it, the, the lease expires after the 2029 season after 2029 so they okay. have time but they're looking yeah. and the story by Fran Spielman says that they're in serious talks there's no comment from the White Sox there's no comment from the mayor or the senior advisor to Mayor Brandon Johnson, and there's no comment from the uh, company president for Related Midwest, the company that owns the potential site. Nobody's saying anything, but the concept itself will create a lot of conversation and, frankly, excitement because the idea that the White Sox would build a stadium, a ballpark that holds 37,000 people and 7,000 cars could be parked and the skyline and the backdrop and the convenience Hmm. it's exciting it could galvanize a franchise it would be expensive how do you pay for it Hmm, good question these are a lot of questions that remain unanswered but it is fun to consider because of where the socks are now and where they might be headed well i mean here's the thing it's a it's an unbelievable location it's a perfect spot, and again, I think what's exciting about it is this idea that you could absolutely build a new neighborhood around the ballpark, and you could create a place that in 20 years might be, you know, who knows? It could be considered like the Wrigley of the South Loop. No doubt about it. Yeah. Think in those terms. That's what I'm saying. Think in those terms. Instead of finding potential problems and roadblocks think of possible solutions and successes because that's how you get things done i i am was surprised by the headline had not heard much about this mm-hmm. if i don't know if you had I, I don't think that it was something that um, a lot of people anticipated even this consideration we were hearing about jerry reinsdorf wanting to create leverage by talking to the national mayor rubbed some people the wrong way understandably I don't know if this is a leverage ploy as much as it is something that you look at and you can see it makes a lot of sense. And there will be a lot of things in the way politically and economically, but if you can get through those problems and navigate your way through that, Molly, I think that as we, as we saw on the north side, <laughs> as we saw at Wrigley Field, it's worth, it's worth it all. Oh, yeah. I mean, without, without a question, if you could – do something like that, it would be phenomenal. And I don't know 
if it's just a dream or if there's any reality to it, I look forward to our conversation with Mark Gannis at 9 o'clock and talking to him about where they're at. You know, I, I mean, here's the thing. When you hear um, you hear the team president for the Bears, Kevin Warren, come out and say, God, we love the downtown area. We love that view of the city and the lake. And, you know, one of the great things that our city fathers did is keep the lakefront as mostly park and give you a perspective to the beautiful skyline of Chicago. It's a, it's a, the, per, the, the distance there, it makes it remarkable. Yeah, it does. And, it really does. And, and, you know, you love the idea of the Bears being there. I still think they're going to end up in Arlington Heights. They've got the land. They've knocked down the building. You know, they're looking for some tax money, and they're looking to make sure that it's all uh, efficient, and they're going to be the team profiting most and all that. I mean, it, it looks like that will be what eventually happens. Yeah, I don't think that this changes the Bears' plans at all. No. The Sox are not looking to share this site. No. That's not big enough to do that. The The, the Bears aren't interested in developing this site uh, because they prefer uh, another lo- – Another location, whether it's Arlington Heights or the South Lot, which yeah. Kevin Warren has mentioned. But it is worth noting that this did at least warrant a joint statement from Jerry Reinsdorf and Mayor Brandon Johnson. And they, all they said was, quote, we met to discuss the historic partnership between the team in Chicago and the team's ideas for remaining competitive in Chicago in perpetuity. You know, I, I mean, that's worth something. Keeping them in Chicago. Simple as that. You know, this is, you know, again, I think a sports franchise can anchor a neighborhood. I think a building can anchor something special. Now, you got to ask, well, what happens with guaranteed uh, rate field? What do you do with that area? How does, how does, how does that neighborhood survive uh, that area in, in uh, Bridgeport without uh, the White Sox there to anchor. It's it. a good question. I, yeah. I think those that's one of those uneasy questions to answer because it kind of would get lost in the excitement of mm-hmm. relocating to the South Loop. 62 acres, probably one of the largest undeveloped parcels of land in the city, maybe one of the nicest undeveloped parts of land in the city. And it was what was targeted at one point in time, they were going to put the casino there. Yes. And that fell through for whatever reason. And um, it's, it's looking like that's going to River West. But I don't know that it means you can't develop something here. A ballpark is a fascinating concept. And it would be something that the Illinois Sports, uh, the Illinois Sports Facilities Association would have to get authority, would have to get involved at some point. Then it gets messy. So in the, <laughs> then it gets political. In the summer, we've come downtown and jumped on a, on a, uh, a water taxi or whatever the boat is that takes you to Chinatown. And I would like to take you down to Chinatown, Mr. David. Uh, but, but we've done that trip and you go past this site and it is just this weird, like empty area. We have those in the city. We got one right out the window here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it can't fit a ballpark there. No, but, but it could there, be a big locker room. You can put a you can a, build a high rise there. A bank. Uh but, or a restaurant. But, and there are weird places like that. Yeah. What, what do you call is it block forty seven? What do you call it on uh 
on State Street there across from Fields. They've never quite figured out what they're doing with that area. There are spots like that in the city that are begging to be built up and to put something there and and to help people with more options on where they want to go. Um, and, and listen, I think that something like this. The 78. The 78 is just yeah. this open space begging for something hey. to go in there. And when, when you hear that maybe they're going to build a new baseball stadium and put it there, that kind of contracts things to a point where you feel like, you know, you feel this, like, is high, this is high concept. Let's say you feel like if, if you build it, they will come. Let's try uh, Keith. He's in Shorewood. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Have a cornfield hey as you walk in. <laughs> hey, buddy. Hey, Keith. Hey, so I, I was just telling him, um, if the Sox did make that move, the other part I, I will share with you, I'm a, I've been a Cubs fan my whole life. I would strongly consider becoming a dual uh, baseball fan immediately if they did that. That's number one. But the reason I called in is if the Sox moved down – to that location, their current location becomes the Bears' new stadium because it's very easy to tear out right field and center field of guaranteed rate, recreate that as a football stadium, and you don't have to do anything else. And I hate to think for the Bears and for everybody else in the sports world, but it seems to be such an easy idea. It's crazy. Keith, I don't think it's a radical concept. If the Sox are announcing plans within the next year to 18 months that they're moving and trying to develop this site because they've purchased the land yeah. If you're Kevin Warren, don't you have to give a long, hard look if you want to stay in Chicago at a, at a place that is being abandoned by another Chicago sports team? Oh, I mean, <laughs> let's go. It's big enough. Let's try Dave. Dave's on the road. Hey, Dave. Good morning, guys. Um, I, I actually am a huge White Sox fan that I don't want them to move, hmm. but I think it would be good for them. I think in Chicago, they're the redheaded stepchild. Um, they are – They. I don't think they get a fair shake here. I, 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 the Cub fans are great. I have nothing against the Chicago Cubs. But I just feel like they, in this town, don't have the support that the Cubs get. Yeah. And I – mean, There are a lot of reasons yeah. for that that are unrelated exactly. to yeah. the success of the team. But, Thanks but, for the phone call. Yeah, part of what the Cubs have going for them – is Wrigley Field in a neighborhood that's been there for a while. Tradition. Everything that's built up yeah. around it, get taking the L to a game, the way everyone feels about it. Day baseball. If you, if you could recreate some neighborhood of Neighborhood feel. If you could get that. Absolutely. Even if you're creating the neighborhood. It, look what they did in San Diego. Look what they, they got, did they in Pittsburgh. Like, that's a that, good to one. me, is the most apt comparison. San okay. Diego is a great example, Molly. But I think with San Diego, you have a lot of other things that make downtown San Diego very appealing. The weather. Let's start with there. But Pittsburgh PNC Park is a state-of-the-art facility and ballpark that's one of the nicest in Major League Baseball. Yeah. And if you could try to replicate that park with that setting and that model, I think that's what you're looking for. And you would be thrilled, and it would. It would revive a sagging franchise in ways that we can't really uh, measure right now. All right, we're going to bring in uh, our guy, Nick Costos. There are games this weekend. There's one really interesting game. We need a prop bet out of it, and we'll talk to uh, to Nick next. It's Mully and Haw on the score. Is Dustin paying attention? I want winners. <laughs> 
Mully and Hall, Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score and on the line is the host of You Better You Bet, Odyssey Sports betting insider Nick Costos. Insider calls are presented by BetMGM. Go check out all the latest lines today on the BetMGM app. Also, be sure to listen to the You Better You Bet podcast for more of Nick's analysis. Just search You Bet wherever you find your podcast. And Nick joins us now on the score hotline powered by IBEW Local 9, Chicago's original powerhouse since 1892. Nick, good morning. How are you, bud? What's going on, guys? Best football weekend of the year coming up. Mm. I think it's the best sports weekend of the year, period. Absolutely can't wait for it. Great to be on. I thought that was last weekend. It was super. No, the division round usually is better than the final Okay. Super right. Wild Card Weekend, like, it's great because we love football. Also, like, the games were all bad except for Rams-Lions. So I, yeah. I, I think we're going to have maybe some really good games this weekend. What, I'm looking forward to it. What about the Final Four, Nick? I mean, come on. You think this is the uh, best weekend I'm a football. I'm, not a, I'm, I'm a much right. bigger football guy than I am a college basketball guy. Well, it depends on who's in it. <laughs> if my school makes it, I'm in. Look, sure. as we look at these games, the one that just jumps off the page at everyone, and, and it's a very interesting game psychologically, uh, you're going to see the Chiefs at the Bills. If I hear one more time that Patrick Mahomes has never played a playoff game on the road, I'm just going to I'm going to like I put my head in the car door and slam it a few times, right? It it we know that. I think that benefits him. I think Josh Allen if you know should be the guy winning this game is under all the pressure here because he's at home because he's lost playoff games. I think that Mahomes has got he's, – he's playing with house money. I So I want to start by saying I agree with that. Like psychologically, the Chiefs obviously hold the edge over Buffalo in this game. But on the field, and I think, I think Mully, you'll agree to this. And look, you could still be right about Kansas City. Maybe they win the game. And I'm not even saying I want to make a huge case for Buffalo to win the game. Like the Bills are better than the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Like, Buff- like this year, Buffalo is actually better than Kansas City. Now, maybe like Josh Allen, you know, maybe not being as mentally tough. And I'm not saying that that's the case. But like we have seen Buffalo lose a couple games to Kansas City. I would say it's less Allen and more this Buffalo team as kind of comes across as being like a little mentally fragile in, in these big spots in Kansas City obviously battle-tested, won the Super Bowl you know, le- last year. So I would certainly understand why people might be interested in the Chiefs in this game. I, I think there's there's one thing that we have to discuss before we talk about the game, and I'll be really quick with it. And it's by the end of Monday's game, the Bills and the Steelers, Buffalo was playing in the back seven of their defense with like third and fourth stringers basically everywhere. Like a number of players left during the game for the Buffalo defense. Now, we got an initial injury report yesterday and names like Bernard, Terrell Dodson, Rasul Douglas, Teron Johnson, who like maybe the average fan isn't aware of. These are very important players to the Buffalo defense. Like you want these guys to be out there if you like Buffalo in the game. And I think whether or not these guys play or don't play will kind of dictate whether this point spread closes three or closes two and a half, three is the most key number. So if you're out there listening and like you like Buffalo in the game and you think Buffalo's finally going to exercise this demon wearing red in Kansas City here, like I would just keep an eye on the injury report. You want to make sure some of these guys, at least some of them, are going to be playing in this game for the Bills. Now, my exact thought on how this game ends, 
Uh, I think Buffalo will be winning at the end, and Patrick Mahomes will throw a pass towards the end, driving to take the lead, and a receiver will drop it because it's what's been happening literally the entire season. <laughs> so, so since I think the game's oh. going to be close, I don't, I don't think Buffalo will blow Kansas City out. I think the Bills will win a close game. I think at plus two and a half, teasing Kansas City with Detroit down to minus a half just to win the game, I, I, that's a bet that I'll definitely be placing. The 2023 NFL season opening memorial teaser, <laughs> Lions and Chiefs to keep it close. I do think the Bills win. Maybe we get to Sunday and I feel good enough to lay it with Buffalo. All right, you mentioned the Lions. What do you think about the Lions? Are they a good investment this week? They're going to be at home again. Uh, Baker Mayfield coming to town. So I can give you, like, I can kind of be like, oh, well, my lock of the week is this. Uh, I'll be honest with everybody. Um, like when we did You Better You Bet on Monday and there were still two games to be played, we were on the air during the Bills and the Steelers, we're kind of talking about, like, what do we think the point spreads are going to be for next weekend? And I said that I think the point spread of this game, if it was going to be lions Bucks should be Lions by six and a half. And that's where, and that's less to pat myself on the back and more to say that I think the point spread in the game is perfect. I, I do think Detroit's going to win the game. I give Todd Bowles and his defense a ton of credit for what they did to the Eagles, but you don't have to be a film guru to watch that game on Monday and see that the Eagles' offense is fundamentally broken. Like, that's not the case with this Detroit offense. And Ben Johnson, who's going to be a head coach the moment the Lions season ends, whether they win the Super Bowl, lose this weekend or next weekend, whatever. He'll be probably the next head coach of the Commanders immediately. He's an absolute stud. So if you're out there listening and you like Tampa in the game, you think Tampa keeps the game close, I would encourage you to ask yourself this question. Can Tampa ever win or cover a game that goes under this total? Meaning, like, is Detroit ever not scoring a lot of points? I think Detroit's absolutely scoring in this game. I think if you like Tampa, I think I would either just bet the over or parlay Tampa with the over. I don't think the Bucks ever win or cover a game that stays under 48 and a half. Hmm. That's interesting. I, I got to tell you, I, I look at, um, at all these games and I think, what is the best kind of prop bet that I can invest in? And Mr. Dustin does have the pen uh, ready to go. So this will come with a caveat, Dustin, and I can, Dustin, you can just like text me, whatever, on Saturday and keep it <laughs> something. Um, so there is potential inclement weather in only one game this week, thankfully, because like I hate, I, people hate right. hearing about this. I hate talking about it, but we have to give you the best information, and it's in the Ravens-Texans game where there are like inclement wind potentially, like up to like 20, 25 miles per hour. So if we get to Saturday and the wind is not terrible in the game, all you have to do, you meaning the person listening to find out, is Google like Baltimore weather today, and you can see what the wind is. And if it's like 20 miles per hour, passing games will struggle. But if it's not, if we're like 15, 10 miles per hour less, um, I think Baltimore will race out to a lead in this game. Houston does the same. Like, they're going to try and run the football. They're not going to be able to. It's kind of been their bugaboo all season. I think Baltimore will build a lead. And then you will see Houston finally have to, like, unleash Stroud and just basically let him throw on every play. And Baltimore plays with its food and sometimes will let teams back into games. So I think the point spread of the game is very tough. I would bet Baltimore if I had to. But I think we will enter a game state where Houston has to throw a lot. And assuming the win's not terrible, I think C.J. Stroud should be able to sail over his passing yards prop coming up in this game on Saturday. Again, assuming the win's not bad, I think that's the type of game this will be, and they're going to have to throw, and I think he'll go over. Um, 
Great stuff, Nick. I, I look you, forward King. to, yes, I look forward to a uh, a weeping Kelsey on Sunday. As why, you, why, as why, another why, why one. Why do you want that? Well, you said someone's going to drop a pass at the end of the game. I'm guessing that's the, that, that's the tight end. There's a song in there. Three. Well, you know, like, here's the thing. Here's the thing about Kelsey. He drops that pass, and he's going to go home, and he's got a terrible life. I'm going to feel really terrible <laughs> for if that happens. He's going to go home, and his uh, girlfriend's going to write a song about the big that's drop. That's what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah listen, you know it. it's, it's going to be a cruel summer and a cruel winter for Travis Kelsey, <laughs> potentially. Thanks, Nick. I dropped him like a pass. All right, buddy. <laughs> We should have a minimal sweat 20 bets. The absolute very best of luck. Thanks, guys. <laughs> You're the best. That's our guy, Nick Costa. And NFL Divisional Playoff Weekend starts Saturday, and you can listen to every game free with the Odyssey app. Tune in here on the score as well. Saturday, the Ravens host the Texans. Coverage begins at 3. Then Sunday, a doubleheader, Buccaneers at Lions, followed by Chiefs at Bills. Sunday's doubleheader coverage begins 1.30 on the score. Take the NFL playoffs wherever you go with 670 The Score and the free Odyssey app. And, and Nick, you don't have to text him to get all his opinions. The host there of You Better You Bet, Odyssey Sports Betting Insider Nick Costos, uh, Insider Calls presented by BetMGM. Go check out all the latest lines today on the BetMGM app. Molly and Hall on The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.